Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we're on with Alex, and we're talking about the firm Wiser. And so, I'm excited, and so we're just going to jump right into it. Alex, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and introduce us to Wiser? I can indeed. Thanks very much, William. Wiser is an employer branding, creative, and recruitment agency. I am the marketing director at Wiser, recently joined, but the business has been going now for seven years. And ultimately we help large enterprise clients with their employer brand transformations. So that's everything from the research phase in which we'll do EVP messaging, brand frameworks, we'll interview staff, we'll do qualitative qualitative and quantitative uh, research. Uh, And then start building a brand visual identity, an employer brand visual identity. And then the second part of what we do is then activating that. So whether that's through leadership videos, uh, career site builds, recruitment marketing campaigns, everything to really change the perception of an employer brand or increase that that perception or uh, the brand essence within certain demographics, whether that be on campus with students or whether that be for hard to hire talent, such as um, tech. Uh, We're getting a lot of briefs at the minute for people wanting to hire tech, senior tech, whether it's engineering or developers. So uh, first of all, the great intro and and great explanation of what y'all do. Um, Let's start with some of the basics because we learned some things, I would assume your clients learned some things during COVID and maybe EB changed a little bit uh, because of COVID. But also want to get your take right after that. I want to get your take on what you think kind of the impacts, uh, you know, of COVID for EB. Like, what are we what are we looking looking at like in a post COVID world from an employer branding perspective? Yeah, really, really interesting. And we've been talking about this quite a lot in in the office. Is the the stats, especially from agencies and uh, and our clients, we're having a lot of people leave organizations. They're calling it the great resignation rather than the great great recession. So mm-hmm. the, there's there's a lot more people now questioning what an organization means to them, if it fits into their lifestyle. So the focus for us and for our clients has been on how we can improve and increase the employee experience so that the people that they have within that organization feel a connection. They also feel that uh, the organization's supportive of whether it be flexible working, whether it be the projects that they need to work on in specific locations, is there going to be adequate safety equipment if they're going to come back to the office? And the companies that are really doing the best, especially in, uh, across the pond in, in the UK, are the ones that are focusing, are double down and really focusing on, on that, that employee experience and what, the, what they can give to the employee to make them feel most comfortable and also be able to perform at their best. So I think that's probably the, the main crux of the post-COVID world is, is the difference between what we were used to working uh, in, so going to the office every day, and the new norm of what that looks like, 
and how you can give the staff the technology, the equipment, the the team structures, the autonomy to be able to operate in that hybrid slash flexible working environment. It's interesting here in the states we're we're talking a lot about kind of the uh, companies are forcing. I'm using the word force. Um, really kind of requiring people to go back to the office, which personally I think is kind of a mistake, uh, um, especially the things that we learned through COVID, especially in some of the jobs um, where you can do them remotely and might even be better performed remotely. Um, yeah. But like, I'm trying to figure out like, what's the best way to position this for a particular company you know, it's, you know, forced seems, uh, seems wrong. Uh, maybe remote forever seems mm. maybe, maybe a bit too um, utopian. Yeah. So, so, you know, like, I know that everyone's going to kind of come to a hybrid model on their own and everyone's going to make mistakes along this, but what do you think is important for, for companies as they communicate? their employer brand and then as they employ that with jobs and the value proposition, et cetera, like what do you think is important for them to just carefully consider as they communicate? Yeah. The, the communication part is, is huge on that point alone. I did a post about this on about uh, Shopify. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. it's not Shopify, Spotify going mm-hmm. completely remote and it got 250,000 views. Um, on that post alone just because so many people were had an opinion and were engaged on that topic uh, specifically Um, I think having the office culture is always going to be an integral part for for many organizations and just many people if you think about us as human beings we we from the stone ages have wanted to connect and be together in communities and so the appeal and the flexibility of homeworking and the productivity, you know, think how much more we get done now is really important. But actually, so we're working on a couple of campaigns at the minute, which are internal employer brand campaigns, which are bringing people together. So each quarter having a big central event in which uh, different teams would come together for uh, whether it be a retreat, a learning experience, just something that brings uh, and, and, and gets everybody together in, in the same room from different, different departments that wouldn't necessarily speak. So I think the policy moving forward, if, if from a communication standpoint, uh, one of the key things is, well, from our opinion, would be to, if you can work from anywhere, and that anywhere could be home, could be a remote uh, office space nearby your house, it could be the main office, it could be satellite offices where people can dip in and dip out and potentially have uh, team meetings or stand-ups or connect. Um, and I think the the importance of that and how you articulate what what you're going to do is going to be vital for attracting some of the best talent. And if you think about, especially in tech, we're now not uh, geographic, geographically limited to only hiring people from a certain location. So your talent pool now could be e- even greater, like the skill sets could, that you currently don't have or are with your competitors within your immediate vicinity, you can now get great talent, potentially even better talent from further afield. And so for some companies, if they're able to communicate their EVP, what the the mission that they're on, what they're trying to create and the purpose of the organization in a really compelling way online, 
then you're going to attract some of the best people from around the world to want to join and get involved with that mission. And because, and if you also have the added benefit that you're not uh, geographically constrained and saying to people that you have to be in the office two days a week, three days a week, four days a week, then you could increase your, your skill sets within the ranks significantly. Yeah. And it's and you're opening up your aperture, right? So we're talking about a lot here in the States, uh, inclusion, uh, diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, equality, but, but we're talking about how do you, how do you kind of not end up with, you know, five pear shaped middle-aged white guys. So how do you, how do you go about that differently? Right. Um, and so if you, if you, if you do have an environment where you can, you can, you can have folks that work from anywhere in the world, you can actually start to really thinking about inclusion in a lot of different ways that not just inclusion inside the four walls of whatever country you live in or the state or territory or whatever, but really truly global inclusion, which is, is kind of fascinating to me. Um, yeah. Let me ask, um, you know, a question about the mistakes that you kind of routinely see and y'all talk about it's, it's, it's some of this is just, you know, we're not going to talk about anybody in particular, of course, but just general mistakes that you see in recruitment marketing on the front, on one side and employer Mm -hmm. brand in general, what are some of those things that you just kind of routinely, okay, we see this over and over and over and over. Like we gotta, we've got to undo this or redo this or, uh, you know, fix this, if you will. What are some of those things? 100%. So from the employer brand side, often we will go into a creative session with the copywriting and creative strategy team and, and the client that we're working on. If you were to take away that brand logo, their brand values, their EVP, their taglines could be the same of about 10 to 15 of their competitors. The language they use is very similar. It's not differentiated. It doesn't speak to a a specific individual. So we get a lot of uh, generic language, generic phrases. um, And ultimately, they don't put their their line in the sand. You know, they're they're not focused on compelling uh, the few and repelling the many. And that's something that we really do. We, We want to whenever we're thinking about messaging or building a brand or especially a brand framework for any of our clients, we're thinking about who exactly is that person, the ideal target person within different teams. And we need to flex within different uh, role categories and seniorities, but ultimately what are the characteristics and the values and the principles that make people within your organization very successful? And also where are the gaps? Where are the ones where there's, things that aren't going right in terms of business projects or growth or specific teams that aren't performing, what are the ones that they're missing? So what are the, do they have people that aren't showing the key attributes that what makes you a X brand person or a wiser person, as we always call it. We, we, we know when someone's wiser just by, by speaking to them, how they speak to other people, how they treat other people, uh, how they operate, how they make moves, how they expect more of themselves. It's just, it's, it's ingrained within our values and throughout the interview process. And so that's what we do a, do a lot of work with our clients is, is trying to bring that out. So asking the right questions, delving into what makes you special, and then articulating that in a way that's really compelling to a specific demographic so that you will get the best people applying uh, for that role. So I'd say that from the employer branding standpoint, then on the recruitment marketing uh, area, which is which is where the, I focus on predominantly, uh, especially on social media, 
and that's my background is being in social media for the last uh, seven, eight years, people and, and clients are putting out content which focuses on them. So they're trying to tell mm-hmm. the, the candidates everything about them, which to a certain extent that needs to happen. So you need to have business achievements, milestones, things that you're doing for uh, specific causes or, or mission-focused content. That stuff will tap into people's identity and what they care about. But that should only be 25%. The other uh, 75% should focus on the candidate. So if you ask yourself, how can you make that candidate's life better? Um, how can you entertain them? How can you educate them? How can you help them get their promotion? How can you improve their life in some way and add value on a consistent basis so that when they are thinking about their next career move, you then become the proxy uh, employer of choice because over the past six, seven months, they've, you've given them so much value for free that they then like feel obliged to at least come and explore what the opportunities are with you. And you've, you've then got a much better chance of convincing that person, especially if they're senior and a a role change at a senior level takes a hell of a lot of, uh, you know, you've got family, kids, um, you know, monetary impacts of of like what you're getting paid, et cetera. It's a big decision. So that's where this really comes into its own about building a community and offering value to the candidate rather than only focusing on what you can do and, and all the great things within your organization. Right. So it's, it's thinking about, it's that you, you said it twice and I, I really love this, the, the attract and repel. So uh, an employer brand, a great employer brand does, does both, right? It's not just attract. Yeah. So, so you're not just focused on, on trying to, to bring everything to you. You're trying to also, so that people can see themselves in there, but they can also see themselves not there just equally yeah. important. So you've touched on that, but you also did it again on the recruitment marketing and employer brand side where you basically said, you know, the content should also be balanced, you know, balanced in the sense of, yeah, you want to talk about yourself, but you also want to talk about, you know, customer success and uh, how things that you're doing in the community, you know, balancing things out (laughs) to where it's not all one dimensional me, 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 me. So, so Thank you for both hitting on both of those things because I think people just understanding the balance on both sides is really important. Yeah, um, no, no, d- definitely. And also the, the, the yeah. final thing on that point, which which we always try and get down to is is the, the traditional storytelling arc. So finding a hero's journey within the organization. So say it's James, he's 32 years old. He's gone from being a developer. Now he's heads up the entire department. How can we tell his story in a really compelling and entertaining mm. way, an inspiring way? Because other people looking at that, they, they want to root for James. It's like when you watch your favorite film or TV show. Right, right. So, so if you can take people on that journey and tell a narrative through the, the eyes of someone which they relate to or see themselves as potentially being in a couple of years, that then is where you really get to the gold for recruitment marketing. I love it. So a couple of, now let's pivot to, to wiser in the sense of how people buy and how people kind of start to budget and think about working with wiser. So give me an idea of what great customers look like for wiser. Like, you know, I, I ran an ad agency for 140 years and uh, I can tell you from that experience that there were great customers and just kind of clients that got it. And in clients that we just work with and took their yeah. checks 
and <laughs> almost yeah. at gunpoint. Um, and you know, I, I can long the longer the relationship was was usually the people that we were already closer to, and yeah. they got us, we got them. And, you know, there's from forgiveness in there. There was trust, respect, all that other stuff. But like, give us a sense of like just what you know if you were to build the DNA of what is a great customer for Wiser, what does it look like? Yes, great question, uh, William. So I would say that where we do the best work for, for our clients is when we have a customer that knows that they need to ch- transition from a perception of their brand or an old version of their brand into the new world. So we've had a few clients, a really big retail group um, across Europe, over 30,000 staff. And they have pre- predominantly been a bricks and mortar organization. We've now, I mean, COVID's accelerated this, the move to e-commerce, but they also have, have, have uh, gone on that journey over the past two years and they're trying to elevate each area of the business. But they need to ch- like fundamentally change that, that brand, the old brand, in order to attract the people that were going to take jobs at Facebook or Google or um, any of the big uh, the big tech companies to come in and help build their IT and e-commerce infrastructure. And so that's where we do the best work when people like know that they're coming from a brand which has a certain reputation. They need to change that reputation. So we'll come in and we'll interview the staff. We'll find out what exactly makes that organization unique and special. And then we will tell that story over the next six to 12 months through a whole variety of creative so ultimately, we're a creative agency at heart, and it's where, where people come to us for because we can create unbelievable, powerfully uh, made videos. We can create uh, graphic design. We can create new websites that, that just look amazing, like beautiful destinations for people to hit on your careers website. And so that's what a, an ideal client would be, where we the first stage is we come and do an <clears throat> initial research piece. We'll find out all of that information that I touched on. We'll also find out the landscape and interview people like your competitors to find out Mm -hmm. what they think of the company. We'll take all of that information, turn that into a full employee brand framework, EVP messaging, and then we'll turn uh, the EVP and and the brand values into content. So whether that's managing social media assets, managing these social media communities on LinkedIn, on Instagram, running recruitment marketing campaigns and building communities, whether it's tech, commercial, sales hires will will build a community on one of those platforms so that when the time's right they will want to come work for you um and then ultimately over the long term period we'll then change we'll come in within the organization and uh run employer brand champions programs so we'll take 30 to 40 of um leaders from from across the business it doesn't even have to be leaders but key people of influence and show them how they can build their personal brand in a way that articulates the new brand values or the, any of the meshing that we've created through like what they're seeing day in, day out on the ground. And we find that's, that's probably one of the most powerful ways to increase um, referrals and attraction because it's so authentic coming from the horse's mouth of people that work within the organization. Um, it's funny that you, it's funny that you mentioned this because um, again, if they don't recognize that they need a problem, y'all are, y'all are selling uphill. And if you're selling uphill, then yeah, you might still land the business. 
but the yeah. entire time you're pushing this boulder up the hill yeah. that they don't recognize that they have a problem they have they almost have to kind of recognize yeah we have a problem yeah and now now it's a matter of how do we fix the problem and how do we solve the problem and how who do we use to then do this that, and the other but if they don't recognize they have a problem you know, you, you can still win that business. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it, it's uphill, like you say. And yeah, yeah. and, and the, the people come to us when they've either got an attraction issue or their retention, they're losing a lot of people to competitors. Yes. Um, or the third element is we will run from all the way from attraction through to assessment center, through to actually implementing internship schemes and graduate schemes. We will run that process at so anything for uh, brands, early careers or early talent programs. We will come in and almost be like a third party outsourced option for you to bring in the best young people from across uh, campus. Right. It's okay. So um, second question, I'll kind of along the lines, but, 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 but the buying questions that y'all like to hear. Uh, and, and really what I'm trying to get at with this particular question is, you know, w- you know, when you're doing, when you're talking to, cl- when you're talking to prospects, uh, they send off signals, right? So yep. they send off signals that they either get it, they don't get it, this, that, and the other, but, and, and some of them you can, you know, you said it earlier, you know, that you can tell that they're wiser. You can tell that they kind of, they kind of are already on that plane. What are the questions that, that kind of give you the clue that, yeah, they get it. And, and more to the point, what are questions that y'all just love to receive in the, in, in the sales and marketing process? Yeah. So if, if a client's asking us, where do we position ourselves with young people? That's a great question. Mm. How, do we, how do we attract the young people? How do we increase our applications to our graduate scheme? How do we increase diversity? So we're getting a hell of a lot, especially after what happened last year right. and the impact po- post George Floyd is how do, how do we ensure our processes are inclusive or at least how we're, we're putting ourselves out there in the market to, to, to attract a diverse um, breadth of candidates, both for the early careers, but also for, for, for more senior roles. And so as soon as people then start talking in those uh, languages, that's where we know that our expertise are in communication, in video, video creation, in graphic design, in brand building, in visual identity. So, so there's a way that we can take what makes you special or the, the unique differentiators and, and turn that into a piece of storytelling or a piece of content that will speak to that person who you can't currently engage with. So they're, the, I would say, probably the, the main questions when people start asking that in terms of we want to be here or we want to build this tech team, but we're just getting no applications for the roles. or um, That's where we really come into our own, I would say. Right. I, I can see that. It's, it's not only that they recognize the problem in general. Now it's now they're and now it's 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 specific. It's it's nuanced. It's like, hey, we're having real difficulty, you know, retaining this or attracting this. And we've tried this. We've tried that. <laughs> we've tried fifteen yeah. different things. None of it's working. We need help. Here's here's where we need help. And you'll probably discover other things that they need help with, of course. But if they if they have something, they're sending a signal that not only do we recognize we have a problem. 
we recognize we have a very specific problem and yeah. let's peel the onion and figure out how to fix that. Um, yeah. I know this is going to be a difficult question in the sense of, you know, pricing and budgets and everything is kind of, you know, it depends, but yeah. I've always, I know that folks struggle both in HR and in talent acquisition to figure out like, how much does this stuff cost? And, yeah. you know, and I, again, I've been on the agency side and I would tell people when they would ask me, oh, hell, it's, it's, this is real simple. And, you know, of course I was being very sarcastic. Um, <laughs> this is very simple. We just roll dice and that's, that's how we create proposals. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially and, I've heard that in previous Right. Uh, creative agencies yeah and so and so half of it is like are they being serious well kind of it depends the breadth and depth of a project but you know you're going into again they a, a client can use you for something very very bespoke very simple or they can use you for the breadth and depth of all your services so budget it can be you know pick a number out of the hat however Let's, let's try and give the audience a little bit of a guide of what they should be thinking in terms of budgeting. Yeah. So for the, the research piece at the beginning, so that's everything from coming into your organization, speaking to your people, taking all the learnings that we, that we gain, and then also speaking externally to key focus groups, actually talent mapping uh, where people are, where you're losing people to, where other people within your industry are going. And then presenting back the findings alongside a whole uh, report about your the current state of your employer brand. That is is anywhere depending on how many interviews. It's like mid five five figures for something like that. Right. So that's the the research piece, the EVP piece. And do you think? And do you with that? You think it's important for every client to start with research? Just hundred yeah. percent. Because when you start to because if you think about your organization as if you're a team, I always think about it in the team sense or sports team sense, you need to understand exactly what the strategy is, right. what the where you're going to play. And you can see teams that have that and teams that don't. So for me, it's exactly the same with a bigger organization, probably even more important because you've got so many more people and you want them to be um, all communicating the same thing, believing in the same thing in terms of the messaging. Um, and also what, what you stand for, what the purpose is, what, like, why, what's in it for them, essentially, every day they come to work, and what's in it for the potential candidate so that you're attracting the right person. And then off the back of a lot of that uh, research and language, the content that you're then putting out or the recruiting marketing campaign really needs to tap in or at least have that as the, the seeds, like the infrastructure, like building the tree that's where we really see it coming through so for us that we always start every project from a research-based lens and if there's always be, already been research done even better because then we can come in and take that research and turn it into something which is more tangible right the creative things are, are much more tangible like social media content the artwork the design right. the website uh, that, that, that stuff again that's that all that stuff's important research kind of gets you grounded and gets the client grounded you know, on, yeah. on, on, Hey, we see the, let's, let's make sure we see the world the same way. Here's exactly. what we found out. Here's what we believe. Here's what we'd like to, you know, here's what we'd like to do. Do we all see this the same way? Great. And then tactically, 
now you got all kinds of fun stuff that you can get into. And it, and I think that becomes more fun for the client because they can kind of see, Oh, the career page changes, you know, things, their job ads are starting to change. Like they can see some of that fun stuff, but, but again, there's the research isn't fun. (laughs) It's fun for, it's fun for people that love to do research, but it's, it's not necessarily fun for the client, but the output of which drives everything or can drive everything. Exactly. 100%. And if, and if you think about not just from an employer brand standpoint, but just marketing in general, right? Of course. The, the, be- the best campaigns I've ever seen in the world, um, Nike, Nike, just do it. Um, yeah. The one for uh, P&G for the Olympics when it was Thank You Mum. That, that was born out of a piece of insight which told uh, everybody that the, the the person that was taking um, the or, or was potentially unappreciated from these world class athletes was the mum doing all the right. trips to all the, right. all the lunches, right. the trips to all the different states to play games, and that was a piece of insight from research, which then turned into one of the most talked about, uh, well executed campaigns, created campaigns. Well, it I, wouldn't. Have, it would. No, sorry, no, I, I, no, I was just going to say, but it, it wouldn't have been as powerful or hit home as much if they didn't have all of that research that had gone ahead to, to kind of shape the campaign. Well, I can tell you that a uh, hundred years ago, I did uh, market research. I was working for an ad agency and we were doing a, a focus group. And so I was sitting behind the glass, right? While we were recording this and it was for a dirt devil, a vacuum cleaner company. And uh, you know, Guys going through the market research, you know, asking each person, what do you think? You know, the, the vacuum cleaners up on the table, you know, typical kind of uh, primary research and focus group stuff. And um, I remember this moment where he asked what he's like, what do you think? Because the thing was called like tornado or something like wind tunnel or some stuff like that. She goes, you know, I just I don't believe it because I don't see it. Like if that mm. was like clear and I could see it, then I'd believe it. And it's like the light bulb went off right in front of everybody behind the glass. And like Dirt Devil was on the phone with engineering. (laughs) Like like right then, like, can we make this piece clear? And they're like, yeah, why would you want to do that? And we're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're not even going to get into the details. Can you make it clear? Yeah, of course we can make it clear fantastic yeah. thanks like that <laughs> had that question not been asked had that answer not been given those that technology that that wouldn't have changed and their sales for that vacuum cleaner wouldn't have wouldn't have been what they were and just yeah. it was one little data point from one woman in cleveland ohio yeah. so yeah. It, it can be magical I mean, when, yeah. it, when, when, it, when it clicks. Um, last question as we roll out, the, the folks that you find yourself working with uh, primarily, I would assume it's talent acquisition and HR, and probably even more specifically getting into employer branding and branding, and maybe even yeah. marketing folks, but who, who's on the other side as your clients? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So we work very closely with HR directors, people directors, often C-suite level people because they are they want to shift the organization or there's a key business transformation piece and they know in the majority of companies that people are going to be the driving force behind 
those changes. So we usually have a senior stakeholder either from the board or C-suite, but then on a day-to-day, yeah, we'll work with HR director, head of early careers. Um, see, yeah. That makes sense. That makes absolute sense to me. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex. I absolutely appreciate you coming on the podcast and kind of breaking down wiser for us. Also, thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Thanks very much, William. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.